0: Starting a new series tonight. Well, I, wait, we kind of started it last uh, Friday. We talked about the life of John, and but that was kind of a, a precursor to this series. So sort of started it last week, but this week we're officially starting the series that I'm calling Loving Jesus, Part 1. And we're going to look at John 14 tonight, and then 15 next week, and then chapter 16, and then 17. Uh, over the the course of the next few weeks. So let me pray, and uh, we're just going to dive right into the Word. Holy Spirit, we uh, invite you to come and do what you do, which is to lead us into truth. Lord, your uh, servant John uh, wrote, even in the text we're going to look at tonight, um, that the, the Holy Spirit is the helper, and that helper would indwell us as believers and then lead us and guide us into the things Jesus said. And uh, so we ask that you would illuminate our understanding by the power of the Holy Spirit and just teach us your word. And I pray that we would all leave this place with hearts moved and minds stirred to love Jesus even more. Uh, That's what we're after. Lord, we don't simply want religion. We don't simply want obedience for the sake of obedience. We want to love you the first commandment, to love God. And through that, the second commandment, love others. We want to do that well. And so, Lord, anoint us to uh, to hear Your Word tonight. Anoint me as a, as a communicator, but anoint all of us to hear what You would say to us in the name of Jesus. Open our ears tonight to hear what You would speak to us. Amen. 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 Okay. Well, once again, Loving Jesus Part 1. I'm calling this The Call to Obedience, John 14. I don't know if I want to touch on the introduction because I've got so much material. I'm going to let you guys just take... You can read the intro on your time. But in brief, there's probably nothing more important that we can talk about as Christians than what it means to love Jesus. The very person that we worship that is the centerpiece of christianity is the man christ jesus and and to talk about what's like the greatest thing we could do with our life that's to love jesus and so you know we talk about many different things we talk about prayer and we talk about revival and there's all these things that the lord you know that are in his word but every once in a while we just got to come back to this man he's such a big deal and uh, there's so much that could be said, but we're going to just take it a chapter at a time. Now we're going to zone in or, or hone in on what it really means to love Jesus. But it's, it's not just that we're called to love Jesus. There is a benefit to that. And that's what differentiates, I think, Christianity from other religions or ideologies is m- many worldviews just say, in essence, do this or believe this, but in our in our um, in our religion, if you would call it that, Christianity, we're called to love God because it has so many life benefits. It, it actually blesses our life to love Jesus the way the Bible says to, and so it doesn't just stop at like, okay, we need to do all these commandments, so we have this badge of honor to kind of show people we're so dedicated that's that's not all of the the message the, the full message is we love you jesus we're committed to obeying because we get more of you and that's just so cool and so we're gonna we're gonna take a little bit of a deeper dive into that but first <clears throat> open up your bible if you have one or your smartphone bible app <clears throat> if you're techie that's what everybody has these days i still bring my bible to the prayer room in the church that's what i do We have tons of Bibles downstairs and upstairs. We're going to read John 14. We're going to read a few verses from 15 through 24, just so we can hear it together. I noticed you moved up, man, getting closer to the anointing. (laughs) Praise the Lord. John 14, uh, verse 15. You can follow along if you're in the New King James. Otherwise, you can just hear it. It's just as good. Now, let me just clarify. I want to go chapter by chapter. I can't do the whole chapter every week. And so I'm picking kind of the main chunk, the main message that I feel like the Lord wants to touch on. And so we're going to look at probably half of the verses. John 14, verse 15 says this. This is Jesus speaking. Uh, In in John's, uh, John's gospel, John is recording what Jesus is saying. In verse 15, he says, Uh, Again, this is Jesus talking. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. A lot of good theology there. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Man, I love that verse. Jesus was about to die and be resurrected and ascend, but he promised, I'm not leaving you alone. You are not alone in this life because if you're a believer, you have been given another helper. And Jesus even said, it's better to have that helper, the Holy Spirit, indwelling us than have Jesus physically here, which is a, a truly mind-numbing thought I mean I don't know about you but I'm thinking man Jesus if I could just go to church and you preach at me and I can like look at you I'd be good and Jesus says I'm not going to do that I'm going to do something even better he tells his disciples it's to your advantage that I go away and send the spirit to you so if you're if you're tonight a Christian you are actually indwelt by God his spirit lives within you in your spirit that's cool And so you have all of God. You're not lacking any gift. You're not lacking anything. You are very spiritual. Now let's keep reading. Verse 19, a little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you live also. You will live also. At that day you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. A lot of Bible here. Just a couple more verses. Verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, again, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. So, so good. Okay. All right, let's go to uh, the notes here. I wanted to just read that and let's just go. I'm going to look at John fourteen fifteen. 1421 and then 1423. I want you to visualize something for a moment. Try to just relate to what I'm about to say. Try to imagine that you've never lived in a home your whole life. Try, just try to, just try. I know we can't relate because we've all been inside warm places. Try to imagine, I'm reading St. Patrick right now because it's March. St. Patrick stays around the corner, so I'm studying him. He was a slave for seven years, and he was hungry and cold every day for seven years. And just, he met God in such a radical way. But imagine your whole life, you were without a house, you never went in a house, and you were just roaming the netherworld just cold and hungry, and you've never known warmth. You just have always known cold. I mean, you wouldn't even know what warmth was you're just always cold and you just thought that's how it is. And then one day you stumble upon a huge mansion, a just beautiful, uh, ornate mansion. Never seen anything like it. I mean, you've like seen houses before, but you, were, you never went in because you know, you're know you pretending here, right? <laughs> we're going with the story. You, you're just cold. You, you wonder what's it like in there, okay? And so let's say someone sees you and invites you in and and it's winter, so you're cold, and you go inside, and and what do you feel immediately? You feel the warmth. And so you're like, I mean, try, try to imagine your whole life, you're cold, and now you're experiencing something for the first time. You're like, oh my gosh, this is like how people live. Whoa! And you see the source of that is the big old fireplace. And so you get real close to it, and you start to thaw, and you're like, oh, this is unbelievable. I've only been cold, and now I'm finally warm. And so human nature would would kind of kick in and you, it would kind of click like i need to stay close to this is like this is really good this is, this fire is amazing like i i am now realizing how cold i've been and that in a way communicates the message tonight in sort of a parable because what jesus is describing is a way in to stay close to that warm fire so that we feel that presence our whole life, right? As, as unbelievers, we're just kind of out in this cold, dark world. When we get saved and we say, Jesus, I will follow you, it's like the invitation in, and we're, we're like, whoa, it's different. My gosh, it's like warm and whoa. But here's the thing. Just because we're in the house doesn't mean we're near the fireplace the whole time. And what Jesus is going to start laying out is, there's a way you can live, even though you're a believer, you're saved, you're going to heaven, there's a way you can live that you can stay near that fire and feel that warmth and, uh, you know, and kind of experience that regularly. And so, kind of with that in mind, the analogy doesn't fully play out because obviously we need to go leave the mansion and go about our lives and touch people and all that, but but the idea of that fire being God and being near to Him, and, it, it, and it, let me, you know, I think everybody here has experienced a fireplace, right? Anybody not been next to a fireplace? Okay, we're all. You, you've been by. You've never been by a fireplace? All right, we got to. We got to do that. I have to have you over and get the fire going. Okay, so. The closer you get, man, that thing gets warm, and so you kind of stay back on the couch a little bit because it's a little, you know, it's warm on the, but it's like too close, and it's whoa. But um, you know, you kind of you kind of learn to get a safe distance, you know, so you're not like melting. But you know, the idea is that the closer you get, the more you feel that heat and presence of that fire, and and yet if we want, we can leave. The fire's still there. Fire still works, fire's still hot, but doesn't mean we're necessarily close to it. So again, take that thought, You take that little parable with you, and now let's go to John 14, 15. John 14, 50, Jesus says this so clear. If you love me, keep my commands. Jesus, how do I love you with my life? What do I do? What are all the rules I gotta keep? What Help me, Lord. There's so many that are like they're asking God, how do I love you? How do I really do this? How do I really be a disciple? And Jesus just starts so simply in John 14, 15 and says, here's the door in. If you really love me, just do what I say. Stop right there. That's the ticket in, okay? This coincides with when Jesus first called his disciples. What were the two words that he said to all of them? Love neighbor. Even before that. That's right. Follow me. He didn't say, follow me, and it will be epic. Follow me, and you will see this and that. When he went up to these disciples, before they were disciples, he just, follow me. I'm going this way. You should come with. And so the way that Jesus called people was just be obedient. Come with me. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. I'll give you an epic life. But it was such a, it was a command. It was do what I'm saying. And that's the foundation is what I'm getting at. The foundation of our loving Jesus is a sincere, yes, I will follow you. I will obey you. And and help me to continue to do that. My kids think I'm funny. Oh, no, it's probably something else. <laughs> If you love me, keep my commandments. Let's flip that. Here's the cool thing. If you're in this room tonight, or on Facebook Live, or on the recording, or whatever, and you're saying in your heart, I truly am committed to following your commands, Jesus. I'm not perfect at it, but I really am serious about it. If that's you, you really do love Jesus. That's the cool news. That's what that verse means and Jesus sees it. That's good news. If you're like, "Lord, I'm not good at it. I'm probably not the best Christian, but I really do love your commands and I'm really trying my best." If that describes you, Jesus looking down from heaven right now says, "That person really does love me." That's such a good that's that's relieving, that's encouraging. And gang, I want to just stay there. I want to be the person that when I get before his throne at the end of my life, he looks at me and I look at him and he says, you really did love me. You really, you you sought to obey my commands. Now, some people interpret this as you have to be perfect in order to be loved. That's not the gospel. What Jesus honors is, As us loving him is someone who's committed to obedience and when they stumble they realign and get they they um i just had someone this week meet with me and say hey i kind of blew it over here will you pray with me got right back in line with god again and so it's not like we walk in total perfection in fact i would argue a mature christian more frequently acknowledges their faults and their sins and they just get back right right back on the train track again You know, regularly. Because we all stumble and fumble and blow it. In fact, many of the disciples had major blunders and they just got right back on track. I love that. So that's cool. John makes it so simple as he's recording the Lord's words. It's like he just says, Here's step one. If you really love Jesus, just do what he says. And here's the thing, guys, here's what I've learned it's not complicated. The gospel truly at its core is is simple. It's not a billion rules. It's one man that we get to love. And so we don't we don't first figure out, okay, how many you know do what do I gotta do over here? It's it's just just love me. Just know that I'm a real person and and, and commit your heart. And the details will sort themselves out because as long as that sincerity is there, you're going to want to get into the word and go, give me more understanding there so I can obey that. Man, if I could tell, you know, people, you know, is it is it, how, how do I describe this? I would say focus on just loving this man and your heart will become tender to all the commands that he's going to ask you to do. Let me just say this here real, real quick. I'm going to just read this. The foundational truth to how we follow and love Jesus, we commit to obeying as much as we know, and we sincerely purpose to do what he says in his word. So in his word are objective truths. And as we read the word, we find out, okay, that's what Jesus wants me to believe, that's what Jesus wants me to do that, or he doesn't want me to do that. And... As, as we read this over time, our heart softens, and we just begin to live this stuff out when our heart's sincere. And then over time, there may be subjective things that aren't clear in Scripture, but that God's asked you to do specifically based on your conscience. You know, some Christian might be able to do this over here, but you feel you shouldn't. Those are subjective in nature, and, and so you don't make a big deal out of it. But, you know, Brother uh, Billy over here may... Feel like you should pray fifteen minutes, and you should pr- feel like you should pray thirty. So there's subjective things, but but as you as you grow and mature in this love relationship, you're, you're asking like, Lord, teach me your word, and and teach me you know these objective truths and the subjective things uh, because I just want to please you, and it just all comes into uh, focus. Now, go, go down to letter C there. I put, we must never forget that in our journey, I'm kind of reiterating here, in our journey to obey, we will fall short. I've never met a Christian who didn't fall short. I'm never going to meet him. I fall short, you fall short, and it's not, it's not a crisis. It's just normal life. We all blow it. And the, and the good news of the gospel and of Christianity is that we serve a God who knows we're going to blow it, even before we do. And He's loving and He's gracious and He's tender and He's merciful and forgiving. And if we just vocalize it, Lord, forgive me, He cleanses it. It's forgiven. Now, that doesn't mean that when we're unaware of of a sin, if we don't confess it, that He doesn't forgive it. That's getting way too technical. He knows our heart and He knows kind of what we're going through. And so when we know there's just an area where we're off and we're saying, Lord, I know I was moody and then I said that, and please forgive me. He forgives us right then. We're good. Critical. So when I'm talking about loving Jesus and the call to obedience and obeying at a radical level, we have to, from the onset, understand we're going to blow it throughout our life and we serve a merciful Father who will forgive us again and again. It's a trap to, to try to be perfect. We only get more self-righteous, more legalistic, more religious, more cold if we don't acknowledge, like the man who went into the, uh, the prayer room, there was the Pharisee and then there was the tax collector, and the Pharisee's prayers were not answered, but the tax collector who said, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner, his prayers were answered. It's a very important parable. Though we're saved, we still sin, and we still need to be forgiven of those sins. And so there's times where we just really mess up, and we, if we go to God, He forgives us. I think of the prodigal son. I put that in there. The father in the prodigal son story, Jesus was talking about His Father, our Father who's in heaven, is like that Father. And even if we rebel in severe sin and waste our life, He's the type of father that will take us back. That's the God we serve. And so even that guy, the father's like, not only do I forgive you, here's the best ring, here's the best sandals, let's throw a party. It's so cool. And I guarantee that brother or that son really sought to obey his father after that, after he saw the, the love of his heart for his son. Uh, and then there's another son in the story who didn't do, do so well but that, well it's another message but we have such an understanding loving and forgiving father and here's the thing the more I understand God's love for me the less I want to sin the less I want to blow it some people think that if you teach on subjects like this people are going to feel licensed and that's actually unbiblical the more loved we feel by God the more we want to obey him the less we're thinking, ah, can I sneak around there? Or, How close can I get to the line over there? It's just, we don't even think that anymore because we want to please our Father because He's so loving. So loving Jesus, it begins with obedience, but it doesn't end there, praise God. If, if it's only just strictly obedience, <sighs> obey the, your whole life, that's an unbearable religion. Praise God we have Christianity where it's more than that. Let's go down to number three here where I wrote loving obedience to Jesus begets a greater experience of God. So Jesus calls us to obedience. Why? So we can have a hard life and be grumpy and and sad that we can't be worldly. Totally opposite. God is the author of the greatest pleasures in the world. He knows how to excite our heart more than anybody else, more than any industry, more than Hollywood, more than cinema. He knows he made us, he made the human psyche, he made our emotions, he made our thoughts. He knows what is the most epic thing we can give ourselves to, and he knows it's him. And so he goes, if I can sell you on obedience, I'm actually setting you up to experience more of me, which will cause your life to be amazing. And in the, in the sense of amazing, I don't mean you'll never go through trial or trouble or you'll never have a sad day. What I mean is you're going to consistently encounter God and that will uh, then inspire you to obey more and it will be this cycle of I'm obeying because I get more of God and I got more of God and now I want to obey more. And you end up maturing and then you end up touching people because you're a, a place to be able to touch others. And it's just this good cycle. Let's read the verse here, John 14, 21. So again, it's like he reiterates verse 15, but then builds on it. He says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. So we got to have the commandments and keep them. That shows our love for him. But I love how he adds a little bit to it. Some people say, well, I'm not into the Bible. I don't want to be a legalist. Well, but you, you can't love Jesus without the Bible. You have to know it and do it, and that's an expression of love. It's like, oh, I, I love my spouse, but I don't ever listen to them or ever do whatever they say. It's like, you don't understand love then. We, you know what I mean? If, if Mandy and I had a conversation, and she's like, honey, I just need you to do this, and I was like, oh, no, th- no thanks. That, that's not love. In a loving relationship... With us and God, God says, here, here do this. And yes, yes, I'll do that. So we have to have the commands. We've got to keep them. But then it goes on to say, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Oh, what a verse. If you have my commands and keep them, that means you love me. And if you love me, guess what? you will experience the Father's love, you will experience my love, Jesus talking, and I'm going to show myself to you more. Kind of makes obedience sound fun. See, at first, when we first meet Jesus, it seems like it's all about just do what I say. But can I tell you, there comes a point in our discipleship or our walk with God where Jesus wants us to transition to it's not just obedience anymore, it's obedience so that we get more. That's awesome. Jesus doesn't just want it to stop at, okay, I'm going to do the first commandment and the second, and I'm going to grit my teeth and do the third and the fourth, and I'm going to do that. I'm gonna... Oh, there's so much more than just grit the teeth and try hard. Oh, my goodness. There is a place where Jesus says, I want you to love, I want you to obey because you love You love me and as you do, I'm going to show myself to you more and more. I said in verse, uh, I'm sorry, I said in letter A there that that's, that's some spice that Jesus added to verse 15. He He like repeats himself but he adds more content. Let me say this differently. Jesus clearly calls us to radical obedience but that's not it's not obedience for the sake of obedience. You know, I don't know where everybody's at tonight. I don't know what you th- view it as. But following Jesus, it's, it's again, I've, I've said this, it's not like, okay, I'm going to strictly obey so that I can think I'm more dedicated than that guy. If that's the end game, that's just so... Um, That doesn't keep me obedient in the secret place if I'm just doing something to compare to that guy and feel superior. No, what Jesus is preaching is you get to go radical after me and then you get more of me. And that's incredible. We get more insight into the Word. Our heart becomes tender. We feel those emotions. Our thoughts change. The presence of the Lord on our life. So much changes as we obey If you listen to my messages for any amount of time, I, I talk very negatively about religion, legalism and self-righteousness, mostly because I, I just don't want it in my life. I've got to preach to myself. I want to live what Jesus preached. and he was nearly at war with Pharisees and Sadducees, and he was at war with the religious spirit of his day. And why is that? Because it was the religious spirit that kept everybody from noticing that's God. This Jesus guy is God. So we miss Jesus when we sign up for religion. Now I'm aware there's that verse that says pure and undefiled religion takes care of widows. I get that. But we need a pure undefiled religion. I, I, use, I use it in the negative sense. Religion in the negative sense, it just it's a, it's a legalistic kind of approach. Okay. the the Greek word manifest can mean the following. It can mean reveal. It can mean show. It can mean inform. It can mean disclose or appear. Jesus wants to appear to us, disclose things to us, inform us, show us things, reveal things to us. And He's saying, if you love Me, you obey what I'm saying as much as you know how, you're going to walk into more of that. And that has been my experience. Let's go down to number four here. Number four, so loving Jesus begins with obedience, and then loving obedience to Jesus begets a greater experience of God. And then in in the ultimate statement in verse 23, loving obedience is about remaining close to God. If you had never known the warmth of a fireplace, and all you ever knew is cold winter, just freezing cold you would suddenly have a fire addiction. <laughs> you would suddenly be like, I don't want to ever leave this warm place. This is incredible. And and that's ultimately what God knows what deep in our heart we want most is to stay near to God. That's the most satisfying thing. In fact, the great war of our life is we're on the inside. Paul talked about this war between the spirit and the flesh. There's this war over am I going to choose things that take me away from God or am I going to choose things that bring me near to God? And God is saying, if you do this, you will feel close to me as a manner of life. If you don't, you won't feel close. And I want you to feel close. He says in this verse, Jesus said... By the way, I love when Jesus answers a question, but He doesn't answer it. He just says whatever He wants. So Judas is like... Um, Jesus, Lord, how is it that we, you will manifest yourself? That's cool. And Jesus says, look, if, you, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him. Again, he's reiterating the previous verse we looked at. But then he adds this. He says, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's one of those verses where you just want to like tomorrow or Sunday or the next time you get some study time. Look at that verse and just go, that is crazy. If anyone loves me, he will keep my words and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoa. Jesus is saying, if you do this, if you love me, if you obey my commands... It's like, it's like there is going to be this indwelling sense of nearness to God. Now, I do believe that's a reference to the Holy Spirit indwelling us at a future time because at this point, the Holy Spirit wasn't given at Pentecost yet. So Jesus was doing a lot of alluding to that. But he was, he was actually speaking something very profound, basically saying there is coming a time where the Spirit will indwell you but that's not just a theological point he wanted to make. He wanted us to know there could be this sense that I am, I am like, I feel as close to God as like living in the same house. That's incredible. And I guess what I'm, what I'm thinking is I would love it. Let me say that differently. I just want to reach for that my whole life. I want to get closer and closer to what he's talking about there than running in the opposite direction uh, for the world and watch my life fall apart. I I, I want to be, I want God, come make your home in me. Man, I want to feel close to you. I I want that sense of your presence on my life, whatever that fully means, I want that. And so we see here, letter A, Jesus is reiterating, verse 23 that an obedient life will result in a greater experience of the Father's love. Let me just say this real quick. It can sound like, in the way this is worded, that if we obey, then God will love us. What it actually means, though, is that if we obey, we will experience the love that's already there. Again, the fire is burning in the house. Okay, it's just we tend to be, oh, I, I'm in the door, but I'm just barely in the door, and I'm good. And the Lord's like, no, there, you can get even closer to that fire and feel that. And so sometimes we're like content just to be barely saved inside that door. We're still feeling the drafts of the world outside. and But down the hall is this great fire, and the Lord's like, you can stay in that warmth. You gotta, You just got to do that. And so it's never we're earning his love. It's never like, okay, I obeyed so fully that God finally loves me. No, God has such great love for us. Even before we're saved, he so loves the world, John 3.16 says. And, and once we're saved, we're in the family and we, we have such affection. Uh, God's God's affection is set upon us and he loves us dearly. But we might not experience that at the level he wants if we don't commit to obe- uh, obeying His word, does that make sense? Okay. Because if not, if not, I'm going to preach longer. No. It don't make sense. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, you just you you. All right. It's eight. We're going to nine. So let's think of this a different way. Our heart becomes so when we're like, "Lord, I'm going to obey, no matter what the cost, no matter what it costs me. I'm just going to try my best by the by the grace of God to obey you." Um, because that's what it is a lot is just God help me to obey you as best as I can. Our heart becomes like this open door to experience His love. It's like the it's like the big vault doors open wide for that warmth and presence to touch us. But when we're not committed, when we're like, eh, I could take or leave obedience, I really don't care. When that, Because that's like so many Christians, really it is. When that's our disposition and God knows the real truth, when that's real, what it's like, it's like those doors are shut, locked, barred off, boarded over, and that warmth can't get in. And so the Lord's love is there, it just can't get in our heart because our heart is not in that place of tender openness. So obedience... Uh, is like this, it's like, it's just a picture, it's not literal, but it's like the doors open and that fiery presence of His love can touch us and change us and we feel it, it's different. And and again, I, I ended my notes by saying this, I got saved in 1999 at a Christian hockey camp. And ever since then, for 21 years, I mean, I have two steps forward, three back, four forward, five back, I mean, my whole life has been... But the longer I stick with it, and the more I make just, like, I really, I love you, I'm weak at it, but I really do love you, and so I really do want to obey as best as I know how. I've done this for 21 years now, and my experience has been, over time, much more understanding of his love. And, and the feeling of it, and the enjoyment of God has, has increased over time. You know, it's like it's like the stock market. It just kind of, you know, it like ticks up and down, but over time, it's trending upward. It's like if we stick with, I love you, Jesus, I'm going to obey. Oops, I didn't, please forgive me. I'm going to keep obeying. And the more we just stick with that, we do experience what he's talking about here. And so that is, in a nutshell, by 8 o'clock, I made it. I try to end at 8 so we can do Q&A. That's part one. Jesus calls us to obey. But again, not just so we can say, oh, I'm obedient. No, it's so much bigger we can get more of Him and we can stay close to Him. And then, we're going to see this in the next few, there's even more. And In chapter 15, there's even greater dimensions that He talks about. chapter 16, even greater. It just keeps getting bigger and it gets to a point where where it's so real in our life that other people really see it. And they notice on your life, you do walk with God. You are different. Even among Christians and even among leaders, there's a real love on you. That's what I want. I want like that King David. He really was a man after God's heart, even though he messed up horribly a couple of times. Or like a Peter. He really did love the Lord. I loved their conversation after Jesus was resurrected. He says, Peter, do you love me? And he's like, do you know everything? Of course, of course you know. You know, it was like one of those things, it was a beautiful moment, but... Wasn't Peter one of denied him three times? Yeah, Peter denied him three times, and so Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? And it was one of those things where Peter needed to hear Peter say, I do love you. Jesus knew the truth. See, Jesus knows, even among apostles, huge world leaders that are going to, you know, shape the whole earth... Even they stumble and get stuff wrong, but even they can repent and get right back in line with what God's doing. And uh, so there's, there's no one ever too big or too small or too sinful or too far gone who can't get right back in line. In fact, those are the people I want to hang with, people who just mess up a lot. It's the people who hide and fake it. They never enter into stuff, and I don't want to be with them. I don't want a community of that. I want people to be sincere. Here's who I am. Here's who I blow it. I would I want to go to the end with those people. And it's pretty much you guys. And I don't I, I, let, let me say that to myself. I don't want to fake it my whole life and pretend. I just want to be here's who I really am when I'm struggling. Here's who I really am when I'm doing great. You know, some seasons it's great, some seasons it's weak. I just don't want to be that pharisee who can't see How needy I am. Man, I see. see, It's like, yeah, anyway, I'm going to get off that. So there we be. Amen, amen. That's part one. Lord willing, we'll hit part two next time. And uh, any questions before we officially close out? Did you have one, bro? I saw the hand go up a minute ago. Yeah, yeah. We'll start with you then, legendary king. Uh, My first question is, I notice you're saying, like, you know, bless the lemans, Lord. Uh-huh, say it again. How fire is always burning is that you have to get, get near to it. My thing is, how do you get near to it? Like for me, like I said, you know, like, gosh, so I, I struggle to get to work consistently, but I make sure if I don't have the strength to read it, that I at least audio read it. Right. Or, or, or if I don't have the strength to pray, I still talk to God. And I always repent. But my thing is, like, I'm constantly in this battle. And it's like, I see people who could be... Snotty, but still, and uh, don't even repent, right. and they still get blessed seven times older, and I'm like, right. so what am I doing wrong? Then I see people who still who getting blessed and the
1: and I'm like, what am I doing wrong? You know, like my biggest struggle, you know, you know what that is.
0: Right. Other than that, like that's the only biggest struggle I have when it comes. Not not minimizing it because that's right. a big
1: struggle. Right.
0: Know? But it's like, why 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 am I still on a short end stick? It's not it's not like I'm lukewarm, it's not like I'm not following God. I mean I have my flaws just like anybody else. Bro, you're you're what I like about you, Curtis, is you're just very open, and you're gonna succeed because of that. You're you're more open than most people. And that means you're humble. You know, so it feels like you've only been in this battle. But that battle will produce something eventually, and you just can't ever get out of it you're you're more in tune with your struggles than, than than maybe many Christians who just kind of press it down you're just like here's here's what's going on and i just want you to know this is everybody has their battles just like you you're not different and so just don't compare yourself to the other person just cuz you can't see their battle or they're not talking about it you stay in this you stay in the fight and eventually the breakthrough happens and you see the fruit of it. And and so, don't ever quit, man. It's this kind of hard, you know, because sometimes I don't even lie, I get angry with God because I'm like, yo, like, I'm steadily pursuing you, like, mm-hmm. why, well, why, why, why Because a lot of times I feel like I'm getting punished. And a lot of times I feel like I was, yeah. like, having me on time, I said, like, look, I'll put you on time, like, you're not getting this, you're not getting that, you're just going stay in the pit. And I'm like, and I'm like where's 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 my posture in that, you know? Mm-hmm what get that full year where I actually see the fruit I mean, right I'm bro just, the, the fact is some of it is is like the bible describes chastening some of it is his loving correction to grow you more quickly and then you'll get to talk to him one day and you'll see all the wisdom of it but it may be that he just sees the calling on your life so he's trying to get you there quicker so it feels like the pressure is more intense it does. And so you just you just got to truly just just develop in your mindset that your father really is doing what's best and that he is good for doing it because he's trying to shape you and mature you quickly. And here's the thing, and you know this is true, if there was no struggle, you'd be in such darkness, bro. When life is just so easy, we slip downward. But when there's a wrestle it squeezes all that out of us and we just we end up more like Jesus so I personally i've had so many battles ever since i started house of prayer that i'm like lord can't you just give me an easy life and you know he quickly snaps back in, you know in his in his godly way and he's just like dude if i did that you'd be so far gone if you had an easy life you need some of these difficulties because you know it will make you talk to me more, and I'm like, "You're right again." Wish you weren't right so much. Um, so all I want to say to 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 end to bring that to to a, a head, there is just stick with it, Curtis. You're really going for it, man, more than you you give yourself credit for. Amber. Oh oh oh! We're gonna have to charge you for one of them. Totally, way more like Jesus, man. You see it in the moment, but if you look at the timeline, like Derek was talking about, you're you're totally radical. I mean, you are completely, completely different person. It's like when you're a kid and you don't notice you're growing because it's so slow. But mom puts a little mark on the door, like every year, so you can see, like, oh my gosh, I grew like two inches that last year. You don't see it, but we see it. You know what I mean? Go ahead, Amber so i get their names mixed up so elijah elijah yep yep so um with the one that was taken to heaven because he was just so close to the lord do you feel that that is where god is trying to get all of us or it's not necessarily his will to take us like that because there's circumstances and martyrs and all sorts of different things oh wow do you Interesting question. So, yeah, I think that that has only happened to a couple of people in the Bible where they were just taken instead of dying. Enoch and Elijah, I believe, are the only two in Scripture who who there is not clear like they died; they just were taken to heaven. And I, I believe that is the abnormal. I think that certainly can happen. It happened in the Bible. But I think that's a very unique, abnormal circumstance that I wouldn't say is the norm. Most people will have uh, experienced natural death. Maybe 99.99% of people will experience natural death, including martyrdom. Many people will be martyred. Many people will just die naturally. But we do know scripturally that there will come a time where there will be a multitude of the church raptured. And they will not experience physical death. I don't know how many it will be, Scripture seems to indicate many, many people. Some will die martyr's death, some will die natural death, and some will be raptured uh, without dying. I mean, but numbers, I don't know. Well, the reason why I asked that is because we were talking about staying close to the fire, and close to the fire, and with Elijah, I mean, he was close to the fire a lot. And so that's why I feel that God had just taken him home because Mm. already... Perhaps there's going to be a generation so in love with the Lord, like an Elijah or an Enoch, that, and you can't you can't ever, it's always multifaceted. There's going to be some people who so love the Lord, they die a martyr. But there's going to be others they so love the Lord, they're translated and taken in, in the rapture. And uh, that's going to be a global event. It's going to be, you know, there's going to be a singular, it's not going to happen all the time, but as the Lord returns, there will be that rapturing of the church. But, you know, I, again, I don't know the percentages. You know, the, the people, who, some people are on the heavy martyrdom end, say, you know, this number, and then others who don't like martyrdom, they want everybody to be raptured, but I, it's both. But, uh, you know, I think of in the psalm where it talks about the generation of Jacob that seeks the Lord. There's going to be this provocative generation in the end of the age that so provokes the Lord that he actually returns. I mean, I just can't... I can't. They're so in love with the Lord that He actually does come back physically and return as for a second time. And I just think the the dynamics around that are are just incredible to think about. And um, great question, but uh, yeah, I mean, we'll have to think more about that. That's that's got me uh, stirred up a little bit. Other thoughts or questions? Caleb, do you have a question about my sermon? Uh-oh. You're going to try to stump me and ask me a hard question? So then I have to ask mommy to, to answer it? Yeah, ask me something real hard, that then I'll have to give it to mommy. Like, how old is God? How many birthday candles does he put on his cake? Mandy? It's yours now. <laughs> Infinity candles? Whoa. Oh, what is Jesus' favorite game to play? Mandy, do you have any insight? Oh, hide and seek. Oh, that's got some biblical merit to it. Wow. Wow. Okay. Wow. All right. I don't see any other hands. Are we good? Are we good? Going once. Going going twice. Noah, you got a question, buddy? Just throw it out there, man. Mandy's Mandy's answering them. You don't know? You want to ask anything about the sermon? Or how tall is God? (laughs) Oh, that's true. Okay, well, I'm going to have you guys preach next time if you can answer questions like that. Okay, let's wrap up here and then we'll do a, a closing prayer time. But Father, we're just overjoyed at your word. Lord, it just gives us direction. It gives us hope. It gives us promise. And Lord, just as I've shared tonight and, and as I've shared your word, Lord, I just I ask that we would leave this place with that assurance that when we're committed to obeying you, that you see that as our love for you. And I just pray for every person here tonight, those who had to go and uh, those who will hear the recording and and whatnot, Lord, that they would just have their heart just ministered to right now, just knowing that you see them and that you interpret their, their, their heart to obey as an I love you. And you see that it's real. And I just pray that that would be what marks us tonight, is that you see that it's real. Even though it's weak, even though it's broken, even though we mess up, Lord, you see that it's real and that it means something to you, God. And I just thank you for that, Lord. Uh, Holy Spirit, just come right now and make all of this, uh, make all of the things I've shared, just make it like a, make it like a, a, a personal application that each person can take something with them. And we just thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, I'm going to put the mic down. Let's meet up here in the middle. And uh, we'll have Caleb and Noah and Curtis say bye to everybody on Facebook. And uh, we'll, we'll pray uh, to close out here. you got you got to scooch back further, though.